Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This show is brought to you in association with Five Stars Promotions. To find out all about Five Stars' latest events, including many featuring X-Rangers heroes, then please visit them on Twitter at Five Stars Limited, that's at Five Numeric Five Stars LTD, or search for them on Facebook. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that knows exactly what it feels like when you're desperate to score but can't stick it in. This week on Heart and Hand, Rangers bid to conceive a title comes up short as we are firing blanks. <laughs> Welcome to Heart and Handling's podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host as always. And joining me this week to discuss, I'm afraid, another disappointing day at the office for the Gels is, first of all, Mr. Ian Hogg. How you doing, David? And Mr. David Marshall. Afternoon, gents. I'm not going to lie to you there, Hoggy. Um, I, I was a bit deflated on Saturday and I don't think I was alone in that. I better performance from Rangers than the week before I think but without being a good performance plenty of effort plenty of endeavour huffed and puffed I suppose is the football cliche for it Aberdeen well organised resolute and Rangers just taking the extra touch taking the safe option running into trouble conceding the ball and really could have played all night to, to use another one without Scoring a goal. Yeah, um, David, without uh, trying to sullying, without trying to sully the tone of heart and hand, because you know that we like to keep a, a certain modicum of decorum. Um, as you know, I've had suspected gastroenteritis since last Thursday. So I didn't make the game on Saturday. Um, I went to the loo through the game probably about eight times. And I think I had more fun than you guys. Um, it was, I, I watched 
bits of the game live on a short holiday. Um, and it was it was poor, it was plodding. It was one of those games that just had the feel about it of even just 10 minutes in of we're going to struggle. We need to score early or we're going to struggle and we've seen this movie before. And see, to be honest, it, it really had the feeling, David, of we could be playing now and mm. probably still not have scored. It was, you're right, it was lack of confidence. It was the extra touch. It was no spark. It was some players that you're looking for the spark, like a Ryan Kent, trying too hard because of it. And it was almost that youthful endeavour of, I, I, I must try harder. Um, it was just it was just poor all round. And I actually thought that Aberdeen were, were really comfy in what they'd come to do. Yeah, I think it, it, it became pretty clear certainly by around about the 50th minute that this game is going to be, if it's going to be won, is going to be won by either a mistake, which they didn't make, or a bit of genius, which we couldn't provide. And as as Hoggy said, David, there are some weeks, Hearts, um, where you can say that that was just woeful, right? You you, you were terrible, you'd hang your head in shame, etc, etc. And I didn't feel like that on Saturday, and believe it or not, I think that actually contributed to as I mentioned earlier, the feelings of deflation because after Tynecastle, I was just raging because they were so bad. But after Saturday, I thought, yeah, I mean, they they gave it all they had. They gave it the effort. It was just the quality that was lacking and that was what was the most disappointing thing. Yeah, I'd say so. After the, when the game finished on Saturday, I was just feeling totally scunnered. It was... Um, one of the results afterwards, all I wanted to do was just sit in a, a dark room and and sieve and uh, and and just be you know, you know gutted about what happened. Yeah, it was just I think you're right. You're right. You're saying there the the quality um, quality was just lacking. I think what was really disappointing for me was in the second half, the later stages of the game, and just the 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 lack of imagination. We seem to have totally run out of ideas. The, the only thing we seemed to do was give the ball to Stephen Davis, who will try and give the ball to to Ryan Kent, and that was you know about the about the height of what we were doing. It's just it's so disappointing, David. Like time and time again against Aberdeen, and who by and large play the exact same way against us every time, and we know exactly what we're going to expect uh, going up against them, and we falter again against them so many times, it's just, it is, it is utterly baffling, and I totally agree with uh, what Hoggy says here as well, I think, as as uh, as, the, as the game went on and on, Aberdeen looked, looked so comfortable, and if, I think if you, if you were to watch that game from a neutral point of view, I don't think you could point to any any part of the game saying, yeah, it's, it's a matter of time before Rangers score here. I never felt that way, no. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you do and, and you're right. Sometimes you do and, and, and you're not right and you come out and you say, well, you know, we were battering the door. But I, I really didn't feel that way on on Saturday and uh, I got the impression the players didn't. That, that was yeah. kind of frustrating. By the way, David, did your missus buy that excuse about why you were sitting in a darkened room? Oh, I just wanted to see, <laughs> okay, why are your trousers out here? And why could I hear? Yeah, I don't know. In there. I, I don't know. After after that game on Saturday, that was a, that was a, the the least um, emotion I was feeling. I think. Yeah. No. After that game on Saturday, you're you're absolutely right. But uh, it's ironic that I mentioned that because uh, there was a whole lot of. Uh, shall we say, self-indulgence from the players. And, and it's not a deliberate thing, Hoggy. They don't go out and 
you know, when they played Aberdeen at Ibrox early in the season, one five now sparkling, you know, knocking the ball about, stretching them, running them all over the ground. The movement from the front three was superb, uh, tore them apart that day. They don't go out on Saturday and go, right, we're not going to do any of that. What we're going to do, right, is hold on to the ball a bit too long, make terrible decisions when we get into the last third and continually just end up going back and then doing the same thing again. It's not, <laughs> you know, that's not the game plan. But that is what happened. And Rangers, when we got into the last third, as I say, poor decision, poor touch. And quite often lapsing into that turnaround, knock it back, safe ball. Yes, you keep the ball, but it was the same thing over and over again. And that, it to me, comes across as not wanting to take the responsibility. Ibrox is a bear pit. Yeah, more more ways than one. Um, but especially when the team's not playing well, and that is when it takes the guys, the the, the players who are that wee bit more special and and have the the kind of tougher rhinoceros skin to go. No, I'm still going to try the through ball. I'm still going to try and take the man on. Whereas on Saturday there was a lot of actually no, I'll just I'll give it back to Davis. Davis will put it out wide to Polster or, or Barisic. They'll put a cross in, meet and drink to Aberdeen's defence and it will be headed away. And as as David mentioned there, you didn't think any minute now? No, I think we had um, a front three that were kind of misfiring. Um, Aribo was off the pace. Kent was trying too hard. I thought Morelos was off the pace. He's first came back in a month and a bit. Um, and I thought on Saturday we dreadfully missed James Tavernier and Ryan Jack, just to, as those more senior players alongside the likes of a Davis, to to get their foot in the ball and to do all those things that you that you outlined. What we had instead was Matt Polster, who's a very functional right back. He reminds me a lot of Alex Cleland back in the nineties. He would try his heart out, but he was never going to be Cafu. Um, but it was one of these guys you could rely on him. It's just so happened we had the likes of Loudrop and Gascoigne and Alberts in the team. Um, you you know, so you get him bombing on. And when he gets to the final third, doesn't really know what to do with it. So we missed that with Tavernier. We missed Ryan Jack of this season stepping up one and stepping up into an attacking midfielder role to play the pass into the channel. It was always step back out wide, cross it into their three eight-foot-six central defenders and then wonder why it wasn't working. So it was just poor. There was no plan B. I have heard that, but I don't necessarily think that it was true and that they didn't try different things in terms of structure because by the end we had switched the team round massively. You could argue about the effectiveness of it. I thought it was more the same way that we were playing, Barisic was playing at centre-back, we had Ken and I think Ojo were out playing at wing-back, um, you know, we'd switch to a kind of crazy formation. I don't think that they weren't trying from the bench, but I think that the same thing was happening, which was, you know, that lack of responsibility. I think, I think that's, yeah, I, th- I think that's right, David, in terms of um, we were changing formation. You could, you know, you could see on the telly, Beal and, and Stephen Gerrard, They've got the notes out and they're flicking through the pages and all the rest of it. It was a bit like the Super Bowl towards the end. Mm. And and they were switching all the formation about. What I mean about no plan B was we were still running the ball up to the, the to the final third. We were yeah. getting 
wide and we were chucking it in. Yeah, it doesn't matter what formation you're doing that in. <laughs> you know, uh, mm. I, it, we weren't changing what we were doing. We were changing the location of the players who were doing it. But, it, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Ryan Kent tossing the ball into McKenna to head away or, or Borna Barisic. It, 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 you know, they, it was the same thing. And we we really just continued to to struggle. Aberdeen were comfy. And Aberdeen, in fact, David, could probably argue to say that they uh, had the better chances because certainly the the busier goalkeeper and the best Rangers player in the part was Alan McGregor with one save in the first half from a, a mistake by Nico Katic, which let in Cosgrove. And Alan McGregor has made uh, a save that might actually be a little bit underrated because... I think that this save encapsulates great goalkeeping and experience and psychology because I, you know, as he's running through, he's eyeballing Cosgrove, who I think has one eye on him, takes an extra touch, which McGregor, or a heavy touch, which McGregor is alive to instantly. Mm -hmm. And had he gone a second later, he wouldn't have got there, but he gets there, makes the stop. I thought that was top, top drawer goalkeeping. Oh, it was a a fantastic bit bit of goalkeeping and yeah, again, you know, Alan McGregor just showing he's uh, he's he's worth to this team. He, I, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say, you know, on a poor game for Rangers, Alan McGregor made sure that we at least came away for a point. And a different day, we could have Aberdeen could have quite easily snatched the the three points in that game. He's uh, saving the second half as well from the 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 header from that. I can't remember it was a free kick or a corner, and it was a just about the edge of the six yard box. And McGregor pulls off a great save there. I yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was watching that game and as more was going on, I was thinking Alan McGregor's our man in the match and yeah, it turned out to be that way. I think that speaks speaks volumes uh, for for the rest of the team. But yeah, if you're going to give anyone in that team uh, you know, a passing mark uh, or or any plus points, sadly it was it was McGregor. Yeah, that that was the yeah. unfortunate consequence. And again, Hoggy, you know, you, you look at the players who weren't there, you mentioned earlier, Tav, you mentioned earlier Ryan Jack. I do think that certainly in the case of Tav, it, it's beginning to be a, a little bit because he never misses games really up until this, and it's beginning to be a little bit that maybe people are starting to cotton on. Yeah, there's loads of people that love Tav, but there's still quite a significant minority that, that have issues with him, and I think even they now will be starting to realise what he brings to the side. I, I am. I mean, I've got to hold my hands up and say that I'm very much that a captain should be the Terry Butcher, Graham Soonis, Richard Goff model of a captain, because that's what I grew up with. And, you know, a baller and a shouter and, you know, thumping tackles and big headers. But there are different types of leadership. We did an interview um, on Heart and Hand, which is available on our Patreon site, folks, with Richard Goff. And he said, Tab's a good captain because he leads by example. He's always showing for the ball. He's always willing to, to keep it going. He never stops and the rest of the players look to him uh, for that leadership and you know Goffey was was spot on in that one because you know maybe because I don't notice it doesn't mean it isn't there it's three years ago to this week David um with the the final the final death throes of Mark Warburton at Ibrooks um and you'll remember the 4-1 game at Tynecastle mm. where Tav for the second time in a row had an absolute bomb scare compared to having year three years ago to James Tavernier now, who would have believed that that you know that 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 change uh, would would occur? I certainly didn't. I was one of his biggest critics back then, and now I'm on this show saying 
we missed him so badly because he gives us such brilliant balance with when him and Barisic play. When he and Barisic play, the opposition don't know what side we're coming from. When one of them doesn't play, we become lopsided and absolutely predictable. Um, and we've seen that really since since we've come back from Dubai. Albeit Stranraer was a bit ploddy, St Mirren was poor, although it was a clean sheet, Hearts was crap, uh, and Wraith Rovers was poor, even though it was a clean sheet. Just felt as if Saturday... Ross County... <laughs> Wraith Rovers? It felt like fucking Wraith Rovers. Um, <laughs> yes, Ross County. Some, some, How some... are things in 1994? Oh, I won't take a fuck to yourself. Um, <laughs> so that was, that, by all your misnames, that's the best one. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're not even similar. Ross County, Wraith Rovers. That's it, one letter, the same. <laughs> they begin with an R and I've not been well. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put that down to a lack of hydration. Like, it's a good but, thing Jack Ross isn't their manager. Yeah, oh, uh, uh, we'll come to him. But um, <laughs> Dave, it's all right sitting here us bemoaning the players we don't have. We still had 11 out there that should have been capable of, of getting a result. And as Hoggy mentioned, this isn't a one-off. This no. is since... Since January. And I know there's a lot of soul searching and a lot of, well, maybe we shouldn't have gone to Dubai, maybe we shouldn't have done this, all of which is valid and should be done, you know, by the management team certainly in the summer. But I'm more concerned about right now. How do we get out of this? You know, what's done is done. What are we going to do that's going to get these players back or spark? The manager in his press conference used the word spark constantly, and it is exactly what Rangers are lacking that verve. Yeah, it's a lot there that I agree with, David. Um, talk about Dubai, my, my answer to that is I, I don't know the answer to that. The guys who are in charge of these things at Rangers know a lot more about this stuff than I do. What I will say, though, is we've came back from there two years in a row and had the exact same thing happen in January where we've had a good result to, to end the year, then shut the bed and drop points to the league and made, and made our job uh, immensely harder afterwards. What do we do to um, to come out of this slump? <laughs> It's as simple as you know, start you know, start winning games again, start performing to to the to the way the to the way that we know we can perform. The team now, compared to the team that won in Parkhead in the twenty ninth of Jan twenty uh, of December, is as you know, is not recognisable. As Gerard said after the Hearts game, I, I didn't recognise that team. Well, you know, going by what we've seen in twenty twenty, they're starting to look really familiar because it has been this way since we since we kicked off against Shira. We've not hit the ground running. And you know that I don't know if, 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 if what kind of kick up the arse need, but I think a lot of the onus falls on on the players. They are, I don't think they are producing to the to the level they're capable of, the, the level that we know they're capable of. Got a big game coming up, and there's no better time to to start here. As I think, you know, the best point you made there, Davey, is we still had eleven. Whoever we had out, we still had eleven players on that park who are more than capable of uh, of taking out Aberdeen on Saturday, and they simply just didn't do it. It's up to them. They need to, they need to show us why we were in position, and it's up to them to get us back into that position. Is it simple, Ian, that things they were doing they've stopped doing for whatever reason? Because there are two things, and we'll talk about both. One is maybe they're just not good enough. Well, I, I personally wouldn't agree with that because they've shown repeatedly this season that, that they are. The other thing, therefore, is mentality. And again, I would argue that 
you know, had they had no strength of character, then the League Cup final defeat would have finished them, would have sent them Agreed. off into a, a spiral. Yeah, absolutely. So they clearly have some mental strength. Maybe it's just not as black and white as, oh, they completely lack bottle. Well, they maybe don't completely lack it, but they maybe don't have enough of the right kind of it. Or maybe it's not, or they're not good enough. Well, they are good enough, but the conditions have to be right for them. It's about finding that level again, that perfect storm, getting everything, all the ducks rolled up, whatever you want to call it. It's about getting all that together. But even then, is it just as simple as saying, do you know what, lads? In December, in you know, November, whatever, you were pressing, you were making tackles, you were making the right decisions up front, you were playing the ball first time, there wasn't all this fannying about. You're not doing that now. And I know you can do it because you've shown that. So first and foremost, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people going about, ah, they went to Dubai and then they've come back and maybe we shouldn't go to Dubai anymore. Dubai's not this fucking mystical place. It was just some warm weather training and we played a bounce match. Um, It's either that or we stay in Scotland, Davey, where it's cold and pushing with rain uh, and they train at the Hummel Training Centre. Either way, there's a break. And if they're going to be push coming back, we might as well stay at the Hummel Training well, um, But it's quite clear the break has disrupted them because I, you know, I, I'm, I am a big believer of momentum. You know, creates more momentum if you like. And um, after that game at Parkhead, had we had the game maybe two or three days later, we would have wiped the floor with whoever was next. Yeah. Because we had that mentality, we had that eagerness. But it's the same as last year. We knew that that game was the last. And then we've dwelt on it or we've enjoyed it or whatever for two or three weeks. And then we've come back and it's almost as if we've hit such a high in those old fun games that the next game, Stranraer at home, Friday night, fucking freezing. No one really wants to be there, let's face it. Um, St Byrne at home. Not even Wraith Rovers at home, but St Byrne at home. And we, we... it's again it's quite quiet and so on and so on so it is almost as if the team just almost relax off a little bit they are good enough they've shown that I'm not entirely sure they're consistent enough but that comes with belief I think um, and almost proving to themselves that they can do it month after month is it a case of, is, is it a case of everything's got to be right for them to perform no I don't think it is either because how many times when the chips were down did we pull it out of the bag or did we go to St Mirren and get a goal late on or did we score at Kilmarnock late on? We've proven this season that we can do that. I, I just think it's a case of we've come back, we've gone from such a high to some mediocre games. They're not playing well. We've lost some key personnel. I think they've taken a big dip in performance because of it. And it's almost like you're kind of imperfect storm of players out, Players who need leaders on the park, and those leaders aren't always there. Few of them have been out, um, and and this is what we're seeing. And as I say, on on Saturday, um, you could go through that team. I was disappointed in Stephen Davis, for example. I'd be looking for him to be really driving that team on from the middle of the park. I thought Stephen Davis was pretty poor and safe as well. Um, so I don't think it's just one thing, but Gerard and his team. You know, they've, they've got, what, two days to get it right because mm. Hibs at Ibrox is going to be tough. David, can I just dust down this old hardy perennial of mine? Um, 
the beers, you know. I'd rather you didn't, but okay. Yeah, I do it. Um, but yes, if I, if I can uh, just whip out um, my, my dusty old faithful, do we need two defensive midfielders at home to Aberdeen? Because you know how they're going to play. And given that you're going to have an awful lot of possession, do you really need to... Away from home, cool. Two, sometimes even three, although Ryan Jack plays so much further up the field these days that I'm not sure that, that that's as valid as it once was. Mm. But do you really need both Kamara and Dave, especially when they're shit out of form, um, when you're really going to need creative sparks? And of course, we ended the game with you know every attacking player that we had, I think, just about <laughs> on, on the field. I, I I do question that some well a lot <laughs> as listeners will know and uh, I get oh it's an insurance policy and all the rest of it but it's it's not that type of game. Um, the the short answer is simply no. We don't need it. The extended answer uh, is fairly short as well. No, and I don't think there's uh, many teams possibly outside of Celtic that way need to be playing that at home and I'd go first I don't think there's too many away games where we need to be need to be doing it either I think our uh, our strength is uh, is as an attacking team I think you know one of the good things that lets us be an attacking team is that we're very solid at the back I don't have the the defensive worries that you know I had even even last year with the team I think we've pretty much solved our defensive issues more or less um so yeah, I, I just even even against it, man, when we're playing with, with, with the two defence midfields, it just it just feels like overkill there and being too overly cautious. Yeah, it does. Now, one thing I did want to talk about, and let me just start this by saying that we did not not win the game because obviously we didn't lose it, but uh, we did not drop points entirely due to the referee. Rangers had their own problems and were not good enough on the day. And I've seen, as I always do, when people complain about the referee, Rangers fans saying, oh, come on, you know, if we'd taken a chance, if we were good enough, then it wouldn't matter. And I always find that a fairly spurious argument because it's a case of, well, yeah, but we shouldn't have to say that because we know the referee is going to be so bad that we actually have to be better than that. Every team is entitled to ask for good and fair refereeing. On Saturday, and we try to be consistent, folks, if there's a bad refereeing performance when we win, we bring it up because otherwise, yes, it could just be construed as sour grapes. As I'm sure that some people would construe this as sour grapes, but it was a genuinely comedic refereeing performance. Um, uh, if it hadn't been so irritating, it would have been funny. First of all, he operated on the it's the first 10 minutes rule. Uh, and let two yellow card challenges go. Books Borna Barisic for Rangers' first foul, which was a booking, incidentally. No complaints about that, but it did seem odd that if it happened five minutes before in the in the safety zone of the opening ten minutes, would he have got away with it? Then lets Aberdeen away with regular tactical fouling, which is part of their game plan to spoil the game, break Rangers' momentum, which does have an impact on the game. And then I think he's, uh, his pièce de résistance, Hoggy, was Aberdeen striker Sam Cosgrove. Um, after committing his seventh foul, he hadn't been booked and he hadn't even been warned. The the Rangers defender, Connor Goldson, says to the referee, that's his seventh foul. This is the seventh time he's fouled me. And in fact, the referee had missed the stamp on Barisic and uh, what appeared to be a lash out at Barisic from Cosgrove. But 
even so, there were seven fouls he had awarded. Golton points this out, and he goes in the book. Cosgrove doesn't. This is things that children know are against the rules, and yet it seems to just go on and on with no rhyme or reason. Another game he'll book people for for persistent fouling. Another game he will book somebody in the first five minutes for a foul he let away. Why can't referees in Scotland just referee the football match? Why does everything have to go through this prism of, oh, I better not yell card him early because then I might need to yell card somebody else. And okay, you know, that's his seventh foul, but it's a powder kick. Why are all these considerations that should not matter being considered? Um, either the referee, so, so it's one of three things, David. Either the referee's trying too hard uh, in an occasion match, um, or he's not good enough, or he's making it up as he goes along. Um, and that could be construed as basically just refereeing the game how he wants to take that, however you will, uh, cheat. Um, take the likes of Cosgrove, for example, because I, I was texting you boys the update during the game uh, when I wasn't sat in the bog, uh, banging the door that David wasn't. Um, and I, I'd, I'd Tweeted you all just to say, uh, so I text you all just to say, Cosgrove's just intentionally stamped on Borna Barisic. And I've never seen this mentioned anywhere in the media since Saturday. But Cosgrove stamps on him in front of the linesman. And he's just shooed away. He goes on to then, it's foul after, I think very soon after, Lewis Ferguson sails through one of our midfielders. Foul, waved away. And you're right, Barisic is the first one to get booked. It's a pullback, it's a, it's a foul. But going by what he's seen, he must be thinking, Jesus, it's Super Bowl time already. Mm-hmm. And we'll just we'll just get into it. Um, Arfield gets booked later on for a um, cynical bastard foul that I quite liked. Um, but it, oh, oh, yeah, no, no complaints about that. But, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and be half critical about it. It, it. He knew it was a booking. He did it. As you say, I was I, the same. Aberdeen were breaking. He pulled the tactical foul as well and was punished for it. The Goldson, yeah, very... the Goldson one, however, you can actually see Goldson going, that's his seventh foul. You can see him saying it. Personally, I think he's wrong. I had counted 10 by then. And bear in mind, I was watching on the telly with shit breaks. So I've got 10. That might be Goldson. That might be the seventh foul on Goldson, but 10 in total. At what point the referees in Scotland go, 10 fouls might equal a booking when you've stamped on a defender as well? Cosgrove comes out that game without a yellow card. Goldson gets a yellow card for basically asking the ref what the hell he's playing at. And Rangers have got no recourse to the SFA. David, you are a trained referee. You've been through the the coaching that these guys get. And I'm going to ask you this then. Are you told to take into account the game when you're making decisions? Or do they say just, if you see it and it's against the rules, give it and punish it. I mean, what what are the edicts? I will say, in terms of um, getting a feel for, feel for the game, there's 18 laws of the game and the 19th one's common sense, um, as you're saying. So that could fall under that. Personally, on my interpretation, what I believe I was taught during my teaching is the laws of the game are the laws of the game. There is a lot of it that's um, up for an interpretation. What is not in any laws of the game or even implied laws of the game is this, as you say, this this five-minute rule. 
um, or the first 10 minutes rule, a foul in the, the first minute is every bit of foul in the, the 27th minute, the, the 48th minute or the 90th minute. If it's a booking then, it's a it's a booking at any other point in the game. That is an, a complete nonsense and there's you know there's no justification for that. Um, for one, you, you five minutes into the game, you, you don't have a feel for the game anyway. And as a referee, if a, personally, my opinion is, um, if a, as a referee, if you've got a really bad uh, fill in the first five minutes, you should be making sure you're giving that booking to ensure that you keep control of the game and uh, that you don't just give carte blanche for all these fill, for similar fills to take uh, to take place for the rest of the game, which I think is what uh, the referee done on Saturday. He never booked Cosgrove. And basically just gave him, you know, a free pass to to do what to do whatever he wants. It gets to a point when you're been, when you've let him away with a, a fourth fill, then a fifth fill, then a sixth fill. You, you you can't book him for persistent filming because you've you're not taking that consideration. It's absurd to book someone for persistent filling after the seventh fill because that should have been done what three four, four three fills ago. Yeah, to, to stomp to stamp it out to say to him you have to stop this. If you're booking, if you're picking someone the for their if you're picking someone for uh, a persistent filling at their seventh or eighth uh, fill, that at that point should be a second booking for persistent filling. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I noticed an article uh, today in the English Times um, by Matthew Syed, who's uh, a very good journalist and very intelligent writer. He's written very deeply about sports, in which he talks about rotational fouling. And he says that, you know, take it in terms of fouling, it is a thing. And he referred back to when Troy Deeney was discussing it a couple of seasons ago. He says, uh, yeah, you take it in turns. I know no one wants to hear that, but you go, you hit them this time, you hit them the next time, I'll hit them the time after that. You don't have the same player tackling because you know you're going to get booked. And it's against the rules of the game. Referees are told to have a word with the captain, issue a booking and say, every foul on him now, what I, you know, I'm going to book you. So just be aware of that. Don't think, oh, it's my first foul's going to save you. I know what you're up to. Um and I think as well that the inconsistency of Scottish referees, uh, oh, that's a word that's covering a lot there, I'm asking uh, the word inconsistency to bear a heavy load, is demonstrated, Augie, with yesterday's match with Celtic, where Lee Griffiths, quite clear stamp. I mean, everyone knew, knew, could see what it was. Um, I noticed a Rangers fan asked uh, uh, asked a few English journalists their opinion on it on Twitter, and, and like Gabby McCauty came out and said, what? Quite obviously a red card, and that's a stamp. Um, but of course he gets away with it. I don't think any of us were surprised by that. Uh, the media rushed to defend him. And again, the machine clicks into gear, and the whole thing will be forgotten about. Fair play to Ali McCoy, who did say, if that's Morelos, he walks. And that's absolutely correct. I think with the, from a refereeing point of view, I, I stifled a laugh. David Marshall when you said common sense um, is the 19th law of the game because I genuinely don't see where that comes into Scottish top flight referees Um, they're farcical and by and large they're fucking rubbish sorry but they are Um, how do we change that? I've got no idea half the time it feels like borderline cheating and I'm sure 99.9% of the time it's not Um, but by and large, Saturday's the example. They're crap. Yesterday's a great example. Lee Griffiths, and it wasn't particularly quick, David. He gets tackled. He doesn't like the guy's attention on the ground. He turns round and stamps on him. 
Mm. Uh, now let's set aside the cheerleaders and the press for a wee second because we got the cheerleading bullshit that you would expect. I would expect the referee and the linesman to be looking straight at it to go, oh, that was a stamp, I better send him off. As opposed to, I'll boot Griffiths and I'll boot Gogic for having a push at each other after he stamped on him. So because that was the case and because it was a clear booking for both for pushing, I would expect Claire White at the SFA, the compliance officer, to cite Lee Griffiths, that's Claire.White at ScottishFA.co.uk <laughs> folks, who is duty-bound to basically look into any complaint, just saying. Um, and I think that'll be very interesting to see if he gets cited or not, because see if he doesn't, then that, that shows the other 11 clubs in the SPFL and the rest of the, 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 the 30 clubs in Scotland. You can stamp if you like. You've only got to hold that up as an example and you'll get away with it. Simple as that. Then you go on to the press. Now... I expect even-handedness from some good guys, from the cheerleaders who had the audacity and the cheek to turn round to Alex Ray and to uh, Derek Johnson and call them Rangers cheerleaders and the shit that we've seen since the old firm game. Yep, Chris Sutton, bankrupt Chris Sutton and the likes of uh, John Hartson, I'm looking at you. Chris Sutton yesterday comes away with, oh yeah, the, the, the Hamilton player clearly grabs Griffiths' boot and pulls it down on him. Mm. Fucking, really? The the mental gymnastics are superb. The, the, the Another example of it is Michael Stewart when asked about the Morelos one against McKenna. He said, well, for me, that one was a red because of where he placed, where he stamped on him. I'm like, all right, can we get a chart then that says, you know, stamp here perfectly? It's like that old kid's game operation, you know? Um, just there's fine, but there it buzzes and, and you're screwed. So uh, it was a, you know, again a, another bad decision. But we do have to pick ourselves up. We do have to go. You can't win the league at this time of year. You can lose it. And Rangers have dropped five points in a week. David, we cannot drop any more points. Uh, I know that in the immediate aftermath of the game, when everyone's upset, there's you know the ah that's it, it's done, it's over. It's not over. Uh, it, it clearly isn't. But we have very little wiggle room at all now and Rangers especially at home we have got to be picking up three points this Wednesday it's, it's not even up for debate we do have a couple of new players one of whom can't play they both got a debut at the weekend but uh, Florian Camberry arrived on loan from Hibs um, can't play against his parent club neither can Greg Doherty who went the other way uh, so he he won't be playing. Uh, but the other one, Yanis Hadji, a very exciting young talent, a guy that, that I've been following since watching him at the, the Under-21 World Cup last year, where he was sensational. And, you know, they came on, didn't have much time to make an impact. I thought Hadji showed some nice touches. It might be a time to chuck Hadji into the side, simply because a side so lacking in what appears to be, whatever you want to call it, dynamism, freshness, maybe bringing someone in to, can light that spark that we discussed. We can't win the league by dropping five points uh, in, in a week. Wednesday's match is absolutely huge. We we need to win. To your point then, do we, do we, bring, uh, do we bring Hadji into the team? I say yes, because quite frankly, we are now at a point where... <laughs> We we can't be patient with us, patient with this thing. We brought a guy in to to make a difference, and we need we need a difference to to happen now. 
I totally agreement with you. If we have got any hopes of uh, of winning the league this year, we can't drop uh, any points Wednesday or you know from from any point now. I've said all season. I don't think either us or them uh, are going to drop too many points outside of the, the of the games against each other. I I I don't know if we can uh, rely on Celtic to to drop five points uh, outside us. To be honest, I think we need to get a snooker and beat them uh, or get a result against them in the, the two games we've got left. It's it's a must-win game, David. It's as simple as that. We need to go out there. We need to, we need to start uh, being the team that we were before the break uh, and get the win. And then, you know, just go forward from there. What's done is done now. It's very frustrating. As you said, they're talking about Saturday, sitting in the darkened room, and I just wanted to, to you know, scot for the earth, start again with everything, you know, run away, join the circus, all that. Uh, just... What's happened's happened. It's very disappointing, but there is still a league title there. There's still a league to be won. We can still go win it, but we need to start on Wednesday. I think, uh, David, just on that, so losing five points in a week, Celtic did it earlier in the season. They've they've had a form of consistency since, as a side, um, that they, they, they don't look as if they're going to drop any, but they will. They will drop points. Of course they will between now and the end of the season. I must admit, I shuddered a little after the game on Saturday, and that wasn't in the loo, when Stephen Gerrard said, uh, we need to keep going, there's going to be twists and turns. Remember, there's still six points to play for in old firm games, and it just had every element, the Tommy Burns of 95, 96 and 97. The only way we can stop that is go out and beat Hibs, then go out and beat Hamilton the Cup, and then go out next week and the following Saturday and keep on winning. Um, if we don't... We're I'm not worried steps. about Celtic games. <laughs> yeah, strangely me neither. It's uh, it's not Celtic games that worry me, but uh, Ibrox, especially though, you know, got to be a fortress, got to be a place that you pick up the points. And David, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. Hibs have been watching what's been going on at Rangers and reading in the press and whatnot. They'll be going, right, lads, let's go and have a go at this. Oh, totally. Um, it's, I, of of the times they come to Ibrox uh, as a as an away team, I'm sure this is one of the the the, the more kinder times and probably a time where you want where you where you want to play us. Um, I'm not convinced about how, how good a a, a, te- a team are. To be honest, we should be we should be you know pretty much batting them to the side with a relative ease. At the same time, I'd have said the same thing about Hearts the week before and uh, Aberdeen at the weekend as well. So again. <laughs> The onus is on us, uh, us, David. If we play to our full capabilities, I've got absolutely no fear. My only fear at the moment is if we can get to that level then now. Hoggy, what are your take on the two signings? Um, hugely excited by Hadji. Uh, I, like yourself, watched Under-21 Championships and he was sensational. He's gone to Ghent and it's, it's just it's not worked for him. Simple as that. I mean, he has played about 17 times, but it, it hasn't. What the flip side is, of course, that they seem to be going through a bit of a fire sale in the Belgian uh, first division just now. Excited, but he's got to hit the ground running. <laughs> it's a bit like Defoe and Davis arriving last year. They had to hit the ground running and they didn't. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful he will because because he's been playing because he should be fit. Um, Camberry, everyone was shouting for a third choice striker. In full belief that Morelos is first, Defoe is second. I don't think anyone believed for a second we were going to sign a striker better than those two. 
that could overtake either position one or two. We've got a third choice striker. At the end of the day, I think he's blown hot and cold recently for Hibs. But if I asked you both a question and said, is he probably, outside of Rangers and Celtic, on his day, is he probably the best striker outside of the old firm? Yeah, I, I suspect I'll we'll say yes. The only name that would be getting mentioned is Cosgrove, and I'm not a huge fan of his, but he, his goal record is excellent. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's a, a fair thing to say. David, you and I like The Simpsons, and there's a, a wonderful episode where Homer quits his job at the power plant, um, assaults Mr. Burns, uses his head as bongos as he's leaving the plant, and then he rides over a bridge, tossing backwards uh, a lit flame, which... Uh, metaphorically and literally burns the bridge as he leaves. And um, Florian Camberry in his interview when signing for Rangers, now remember he is still officially a Hibs player and technically has to go back in the summer, uh, stopped, I thought, just short of wiping his arse with a Hibs top and uh, setting fire to it. Yeah, I think he said that uh, Leafs are shit toll and uh, the proclaimers are crap. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> it was um, it was it was quite funny. <laughs> it was very funny. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't think I can take yourself away from the bitterness and uh, heroin adult Hibs fans out there. Can you blame any professional footballer, whether from Scotland or not, that prefers playing at Ibrox Easter Road? I think that's a, a no-brainer. <laughs> it's one of these weird things that Diddy clubs have where they get really upset by the Swiss guy with no previous connection at all to Scottish football, saying that he would rather play for the biggest club <laughs> than them. And it's, it's, quite, it's quite bizarre. And it goes both ways, you know, there'll be a time when one of our players goes to play for some no-mark club in England because of the money, um, and, and we get upset, but it's just the way of the world, you've just got to live with it. Right, can I trouble you both for a prediction? I'll start with you, Ian. Um, Rangers 3, Hibs 1, stodgy first half, uh, and Hadji blows them away. David? Uh, I was going to say 3-1 as well, but just to be different, I'll say 2-0 Rangers. Well, I was going to say 2-0 Rangers, so just to be right, I'll say 2-0 Rangers. And come on, Gels, we desperately need this one. Let's get this season back on track. There's still a hell of a lot to play for. Let's not be forgetting that. Right, I'd just like to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and thank my two guests today. First of all, David Marshall. Pleasure as always, gents. And Ian Hogg. It was lovely to get off the bog, David. (laughs) We'll be be back soon, uh, and hopefully Augie will be off the bog and Rangers will be back on the boil. Until I speak to you again, take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, why not check out our Patreon site? For as little as the price of a matchday programme a month, you'll get access to loads of Jer's content, including daily updates, tactical analysis, previews and post-match shows, plus an amazing archive covering all things Rangers, including stepping back in time to discuss particular games, managerial reviews, interviews with Ibrox legends, watch-alongs and the odd bit of stuff and nonsense too. Please head over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and join thousands of bears on the best value podcast on the world's most successful club. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.